a special late night edition of the Boiler Upload podcast, brought to you by the Threads of History and Martin Vintage with some great vintage Purdue apparel that you can get just in time for this year's NCAA tournament, and also brought to you by Reindeer Shuttle. And Casey is with me tonight. We're doing this as a quick one. Casey probably would have liked to have had Reindeer Shuttle racing back from Chicago to Lafayette today. Am I right, Casey? I honestly considered it. Um made the trip to Chicago this morning and back. And I, I was trying to do the math in my head. Like if I just had them drop me off at the airport, could I get to United center uh, easy enough? Cause I would have liked that. Yeah. I'm driving back uh, through the snow at 10 o'clock at night because Indiana's still in winter. Apparently. <laughs> well, you could have taken the L. I mean, the L goes from the airport to, to Lafayette well, oh. to the United okay. center. There you go. All I'm right. Not with, I'm not good with letters. <laughs> but uh, Casey is back in reindeer shuttle or no through the snow. He is back from Chicago and the Boilermakers, as we know. <laughs> Did you, why are you still rhyming? Because I'm just that good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Keep going. All right. All right. Anyway, Purdue has the number one seed in the East. They are the reigning Big Ten champions, the Big Ten tournament champions. All things Big Ten, they have done it this year. And, wow. I mean, let's just take a moment to enjoy that and earn this number and enjoy that they've earned a number one seed, something I don't think anybody expected four months ago, right? Absolutely not. Um, It starts with who Purdue lost last year. Obviously, Jay Nivey and Trevion Williams are the two big issues there. Uh, Ivy, you know, top five lottery pick, All-American. Trevion Williams, All-Big Ten. Was he on All-American his junior year? I don't think he was ever officially an All-American, but I think he was like honorable mention All-American. That's what it was. Something. And then, obviously, you know, All-Big Ten. um, Lost Isaiah Thompson, lost Eric Hunter to Butler. And starting two true freshmen. So, Matt Painter's job this year really from the start, jumping off to a 13-0 record, 22-1, best start in program history. Um, That's a lot of history to be better than. Mm -hmm. And to culminate it all in not only winning the Big Ten by three games, but to go ahead and sweep this tournament, uh, obviously not the toughest path possible, um, but solid wins over Rutgers, Ohio State, and Penn State at the end, even though Purdue did make it. It was a lot tougher with six seconds left than it looked like when there were six minutes left in the game. Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into my thoughts on that. I've, we've just seen that way too many times where a comfortable lead comes crashing down way too fast. But they did at least get the job done. And uh, really great defense, I think, on that final play just to disrupt it. Otherwise, Penn State gets a pretty good look at uh, potential game-winning three. Yeah, it was – the numbers – Purdue only turned the ball over seven times. So so it's hard to say that it was a disaster when it comes to ball control. But once again, Purdue could not hit three-pointers. And uh, late, uh, they clearly struggled against the press. But – Once again, despite all these issues, this team does what it's done all year, which I believe is the point of playing games, which is they won. And at some point that has to mean something, even if it looks ugly at the end. 
to me, it's just playing with fire. And I don't know. I I, I have too much PTSD, and we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> yep, but, you know, it, it was a chaotic... Uh, we're watching them shoot, you know, they have their little trophy presentation. Uh, Matt Painter talks to the crowd. Zakidi gets three words out before dropping an F-bomb in front of the crowd, and I believe live TV. All right. Um, so they took the mic out of his hand pretty quickly. And then as <laughs> immediately after that, as I'm getting up to go walk to media area, uh, the speakers come on and CBS is announcing uh, the number one seed, um, the overall number one seed, Alabama. So th- there wasn't much time to process this win. Um, obviously, mood was pretty jolly for Purdue, despite the ending. And then obviously, Purdue Purdue's day ends with them catching the fourth number one seed, first time under Matt Painter. Yeah, and first time in 27 years as a number one seed. I mean, that's, again, just a tremendous accomplishment. I I was bull, I was bearish on this team back in, you know, October and whatnot, and I honestly thought they would struggle to make the tournament. I didn't see it with two freshman guards. Uh, I, I Obviously, Edie was a known quantity and everything, but... To be a number one seed, to win the Big Ten by three games, to win the Big Ten tournament, just, oh my goodness, just, I I want to enjoy it for a little bit before I get my uh, usual pessimistic self. <laughs> yeah, well, the nice thing is when you're, uh, when you're number one seed, you get to play the number 16 seed. So at least on Friday in Columbus, Ohio, where Purdue has already won this year, it will be a stress-free first round. I am very confident to say that. Um, are, are you familiar at all, Travis, with uh, Farley Dickinson or whoever the hell else we might play? Uh, I did some very early looking. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas Southern is, um, they're from the SWAC conference. And unfortunately, the SWAC is one of those conferences that even when their best team gets in, they're almost always in Dayton. It's it's one of those conferences that they just struggle so much in terms of resources and everything that even winning the Dayton game is a tremendous, uh, tremendous thing for them. And then Texas Southern finished about eighth in the league. Um, they lost to Florida A&M, which Purdue beat Florida A&M in the final non-conference game of the season. They, I believe, are 12 and 20. They're one of the worst teams to ever make the NCAA 14 tournament. and 20. 14 and 20, excuse me. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, and, and 330th best offense in the country. According to Ken Palm, they shoot threes at 28.7%. Um, their turnover margin is 20% mm-hmm. and they don't rebound the ball. Well, yeah. when you are talking about a team that is going to upset the number one team in the country, those are none of the parameters you look for. <laughs> Not a threat. Right, and then it's Farley it's very, Dickinson, and Farley Dickinson, Fairley Dickinson is not even the best team in their conference. Uh, they get Correct. here on a technicality. Merrimack was the conference champion. They won the regular season. They won the conference tournament. Unfortunately, the NCAA's archaic rules state that you have to wait four years in Division One before you can go to the tournament. And this is their fourth year of the four-year waiting period, so there will be no Merrimack. We get fairly Dickinson, potentially, I should say. Pop quiz time, Travis. Yes. What is the tallest, biggest player 
what what are their parameters for Farley Dickinson? Oh goodness, uh, I think I, I think I saw this in the group chat tonight. Didn't you say it was six six? There are three six foot six players on Farley Dickinson. One of them, Ansley Almanar, a sophomore who weighs two hundred nineteen pounds. I lied. There are two. There are only two. The other is Joel Emanuel, six foot six, hundred ninety six pounds. He's a freshman. Uh, according to Ken Palm, Farley Dickinson has the 354th least experienced team in the country, and their average height is 363rd most in the country. I think that's dead last. Yeah, that's 363. Wow. That's... That is not who I would design to take on a team with someone who is seven foot four. <laughs> a very good. Would not do it. Four. So we are not going to discuss either of those two teams probably for the rest of the week. Yeah. I will I, spell I, their names. Yeah. I would say that this game is a, the opening game on Friday is in the realm of if Purdue somehow loses, it is one of the largest upsets in NCAA tournament history. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, good news, bad news. Easy first round, good news. Probably going to be able... The one thing I do like, expect a painter to be able to get to his bench and get, you know, Trey Kaufman ran some live minutes. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, who might be coming off the bench. It, it, it could be a get-right game. Fletch needs one bad. <laughs> yeah, bad. he he struggled again. Struggled throughout the tournament. Struggled probably the last month of the season. And that's a problem because Purdue is going to have a tough matchup eight nine. Whether that is the Florida Atlantic Owls, who looking real quick. Of course, I pulled away from it. Ken Palm has them as the 26th best team in the country. 31 and 3 record. They're That's good. a lot of wins. They are real good. They have a loss to Mississippi, UAB, and Middle Tennessee. They won their tournament, obviously. Um, they are the 32nd best offense in the country, 36th best defense, according to Ken Palm. Their best wins, they beat Florida 76-74 on the road. They beat a decent South Alabama team, beat a North Texas team on the road. Um, That's a bad word around here. Yeah, beat them at <laughs> home as well. And UAB is a solid team that they've beat uh, three times this season. Yeah. They are a pretty good team. They shoot 37% from three, 54% from inside the arc. Very efficient offensively, defensively. Uh, they're not going to force a bunch of turnovers but they are very disciplined. Um, they force you into shots they want to take. They're holding teams to 44% shooting inside the arc. That's the 11th best mark in the in the nation. And a big reason why they can do that, big old Vladislav, yep, Vladislav Golden. Were you practicing that the whole drive back? Yes. Um, seven <laughs> foot one, 240 pound big man. There are not many players in the country that or in the NCAA bracket that you think have a chance to match up against Zachy at all. He is probably one of them. Um, 6.2% block percentage. Uh, only 4.9 fouls called against him per 40. That's pretty solid. Decent player. Um, shoots 64% inside the arc himself. He averages about 10 points a game. 
uh, 22% rebounding rate on defense, 12% on offense, 63rd best in the country. He's a big boy. He's pretty good. They don't have much depth behind him. And their guards are are solid. They've got um, four guys that are shooting 30, almost 38% or better. That's a dangerous team. That is a good basketball team. Yeah. And it, it uh, Golden's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I just checked. He's not going to draw Edie away from the basket like a Hunter Dickinson. No, has not taken a three. Yeah. So that that's just going to be a good old fashioned two guys going at it in the paint and uh, see see the best one wins. And I, th- this has been a team that's been on my radar all year. Um, obviously, you have somebody come out of nowhere. They have I don't believe they've been in the tournament in twenty years, and then they just reel off a thirty plus win season. That I don't care who you are or who you've beaten. You win thirty games. You're a good basket. Thirty one times. You are a consistent. Yeah, you, you know your roles. You know what you're doing, and you can shoot the ball. I believe they were ranked in the top 25 for the first time in school history. I know they were in the top 25 for a couple of weeks. So, so yeah, so. they are, they are, this is a tough eight, nine matchup because the other side, a team you could argue that has underwhelmed most of the season, but playing their best basketball of the year, hyper talented team. That's the Memphis Tigers playing for uh Penny Hardaway. Um, early season struggles, lost to St. Louis Seton Hall. Have a loss against Alabama on the road. Lost to Tulane twice this year. That's kind of their major slip-ups. But besides that, a loss to UCF and then two losses to Houston, which they avenged by winning the American Athletic Conference Championship Sunday. Kind of handled Houston, actually, 75-65. They're a problem. They only lost to Houston by two in the regular season finale, too. (laughs) And they're a problem because Kendrick Davis is one of the best guards in the tournament, flat out, period. Um, He was a TCU freshman, transferred to SMU for the last three years, and playing this year. Only a 35% shooter from three, but that's 182 attempts. He is a chucker. And he will get to the free throw line. 255 free throw attempts this season. Those are uh, checking here. Zach Eady has taken 231 free throws. Goodness. That is a guard that can get at you physically, get to the rim, draw fouls. Not what you want to see um, if you're a Purdue team. They've got a couple bodies inside. DeAndre Williams, um, Malcolm Dandridge would be, uh, you know, 6'9", six, six, 260. Can he stay out of foul trouble and guard Edie? Probably not. 6.9 fouls per 40. Um, but this is a dangerous team. DeAndre Williams shoots 42%. Uh, Keontae Kennedy shoots 38% from three. This is a long, talented team. And... They have been playing their absolute best of late. They want to get out and run. They want to put points on the board. Um, they've won six of their last seven. It's it's either of these matchups will be interesting. Um, one thing to note: if if Memphis wins, you can expect for good and bad. They will prepare to play a dominant big, regardless, because they're going to play one in Golden with Florida Atlantic. So it's not like it's going to be one day and they have to learn how to guard a big. That's going to be their mindset all week. The good thing, Purdue, in theory, Painter should get an idea of how Memphis will play a dominant big by the way they play Golden. 
So we'll have a day to see that, assess what he wants to do in offense with Edie. Then again, at this point, Purdue has seen everything a defense can do. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing that that Memphis is going to spring on Edie that would be surprising. The concern is uh, somewhat cliche at this point. Length on the wings, guards with Memphis and athleticism, and that's something that has been un- overwhelming. But at the same time, I do feel the Ethan Morton, Brandon Newman playing more card while David Jenkins Jr. is getting hot. I, I feel that will negate it a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Williams here, and I'm looking at his length on the outside, and it's just you've got this lanky wing that can shoot well, and he's a senior with a ton of experience. So this is a se- Memphis's top uh, top nine guys, all seniors. Hmm. All nine of them. Mm. They've got one freshman playing 32% of the minutes. Everyone else on their roster is a senior. That is unheard of. Goodness. Let me guess. Uh, D1 experience. They're the 11th most in the team, averaging 3.16 years of experience. I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it. Purdue's, by the way, is 1.43 years on average. And I I was listening to the broadcast today and, you know, in related to that, the the same question that we've asked all year is like, you know, can you trust a totally freshman backcourt to to get you through the tournament? And Fletch needs that get right game. And Purdue, as we saw, I think you saw it yesterday against Ohio State, when either one of the guards are hitting, Braden Smith or Fletcher Lawyer. It changes this team so much. But if neither one of them are hitting, you're in for a long night. <laughs> and I would argue I don't I don't know how much Fletcher Lawyer there is a ready-made replacement on the bench. Between David Jenkins Jr., Newman, and Morton playing more. Purdue can fill that two spot. It's possible. It's on the roster. Fletcher, when playing his best, was the best option there. He's still kind of getting subbed out offense-defense a lot, and the way he moves the ball on offense is still valuable. But I would argue you can – Jenkins didn't play much in that second half, despite starting. I think you can definitely go to him more. But Purdue lives and dies by Braden Smith. Mm-hmm. The offense doesn't run when he's not on the floor. Um, he's just able to do things and create space and create looks that no one else on that roster can. Right. And he is a true freshman. But do if we consider Big Ten tournament a a primer for NCAA tournament, and I could I would I would argue that the Big Ten tournament is a little tougher just because we already know how much Purdue struggles against Big Ten guards and size and everything else. Braden Smith just went 17 assists and four turnovers over three days. I was he was say, phenomenal. I was going to say, that I, that is another factor here, is that unfamiliarity, and Purdue has done incredibly well this year out of conference. They're finally I, getting away after 23 <laughs> games. They're getting away from the Big Ten. Right. And I, I think a lot of that is Zach Eady effect because 
just not many, not many teams, not many programs, not many players know how to play against a guy down low who's that dominant. You, I, I talked to Rafael Davis a few weeks ago about. So when you get into tournament time, like how much time do you need to instigate, like, just implement a whole new defense to, like, coordinate against a big guy like that? And he's like, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Four days isn't enough. Let alone if you only have one day. If you have to catch. That's right. If Purdue wins the first game of a weekend, I feel very confident about the second game, which is why I, I feel okay about Florida Atlantic Memphis. They only have one day to prepare for Zach Eady. That's a lot tougher than anything Purdue has to prepare for because you have to create an entire different defensive game plan to try to go up and stop someone like Zach Eady because we have seen West Virginia couldn't do it. Portland couldn't do it. Or, uh, sorry, Gonzaga couldn't do it. Duke couldn't do it. Those are three different teams that are hyper-talented, that all finished in the top 20 for Ken Palm. All have different strengths. All pretty good on defense. None of them in a tournament setting had even close to an answer for Zach Eady. So feel good about that? Hmm? I just... Big Ten is used to playing like that. They're used to playing Purdue. They know know Matt Painter's system. I know this. That matters. I know how important guards are, though. And Purdue just seems to have been one of those teams of late that they have a lot of guys that can be good shooters, but Jenkins is the only one hitting with any consistency right now. And, if I mean, if he's the guy that's hitting, write him. That's great. At least one's hitting. But this team has struggled to shoot the ball for very long stretches of time. And then just the final five minutes today was just, that was not encouraging. Sure. Um, I, we don't have to go that far back into Purdue's history. 2019. That was a Purdue team where Carson Edwards couldn't make anything the entire Big Ten conference. And what happened when the tournament started? He was Carson Edwards, though. I d- we don't have a Carson Edwards as a guard. We have shooters. We have sh- Purdue has shooters everywhere. Mason Gillis, Brandon Newman, uh, David Jenkins Jr., Fletcher Lord. You can't tell me that it is unlikely that one, two, three of those are going to get hot in a stretch for a few games. If anything, as Matt Painter says all year, he believes in these guys as shooters. He's watched them their whole uh, semi-adult life playing basketball. These guys are shooters and the shots eventually do fall. And I, I think there is a freedom in the NCAA tournament, a neutral floor getting away. And I, I believe strongly that Braden Smith is the best guard we've had since Cardson Edwards, especially in a tournament setting. Interesting. I like, I like hearing that at least I, we, we haven't, Purdue has not had a guy that is able to orchestrate an offense like that. And he has been, Painter said it today, he should have had double the amount of assists today if they're just making shots around him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the case all year. He does a great job at getting really good looks for players. And if you can combine that while having Zach Eady on the floor, that is a, a once again, the process, very good. Purdue's offense will run. It will work. It will get good shots. He was he was phenomenal for the first 30 minutes of the game against Penn State. Just energy everywhere, pushing the ball, finding open looks. 
that you just have to trust in that, that that is going to be enough while you have a guy, Zach Eady, once again, just casually putting up 30 and 15. That's not normal. And that is something <laughs> Purdue can count on in the tournament. He is going to be out there. If they uh-huh. miss a shot, which they do a lot, he will grab the ball a lot. And I, I think Mason Gillis has really stepped up his game since coming back on the starting lineup. And Brandon Newman, in flashes, has been a defensive monster. I am, if you can't tell, I was optimistic to begin the season. And I am even, I like this team right now even more than that. I think going to Newman in the starting lineup, I think there might be another tink. I, Jenkins could step into the starting lineup. Even if he doesn't, I think Fletcher Lawyer still does enough good things. And I think I he is a very motivated and very confident kid. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get too low, doesn't get too high. I if there is someone that could surprise you with a Ryan Klein type game on this team, I'm not sure my money still isn't on him. Yeah. And 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 you that's the thing with those shooters is you can't there's so many that could have that game. I mean, we saw what Gillis did against Penn State and Mackey uh back in February. He put up twenty to start the Big Ten tournament. Right. And I mean, shoot, Caleb first hasn't hit a whole lot and you know, he had had a slow start and then he was big yesterday against Ohio State, I know, put in some really big minutes. So it's just it's very interesting. This is a this is a team that on paper, if if things are working, I don't think it, it would take a special special team to beat them if they're firing on all cylinders as we have seen them play this year. You and just need think, to get to that point. Yeah, eight nine seeds always look bad because it's high conference teams with big names usually that have underperformed, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what Memphis is. Florida Atlantic, obviously. Um, a different beast, but it, if it's if Purdue loses in the second round, that's the answer. This team wasn't what. If it's not a Final Four, maybe an Elite Eight, but if it's not, if it's a team that doesn't break the ceiling for Painter, everyone's gonna feel the same way, regardless. The excuses will be the same. Mm-hmm. The reasons will be the same. Mm-hmm. They will be no, they won't be any more right. And they won't be any more wrong because of a one game tournament. And that's, that's the hard thing for everyone to process. Yeah. Cause it's, it's such a crapshoot. Nothing and, changes after the tournament. And, and says it from day one and process. If, and when that loss comes, we're going to know exactly how it happens. I mean, yeah, we, it's, we, we can already see it. That is probably true. Um, but also, it, like, Purdue's not going to go out there and get blowed out. True. For good or bad. It, it, it might be a heartbreaking letdown. Um, it might be an overwhelmed backcourt. But they're not going to get blown out. I'm very, very confident in that. But I don't know. There, there's a juice to this team. Uh, they believe in themselves. Um, Jenkins was talking about it after the game. A lot of times when you go through a stretch like they had where you lose four or six, you start pointing the finger within 
the whole team, especially when you have guys that should be playing more than they are and they aren't. And he said, and like, you can tell that was never an issue with them. Hmm. And this team believes in each other. Uh, I thought once again, uh, Trey Kaufman ran in the first half was great against Penn state. There are legit pieces coming off this bench for Purdue. There is versatility on this roster that I think makes them perfectly set up for March. And if Jenkins is going to completely just be this fireball off the bench, I just, I, I have a good feeling still, even with the way the Penn state game ended. I hope you're right. And we can take a quick look at the rest of the bracket here. Um, obviously it's way down the road, but you got potentially Marquette in the elite eight, uh, which that ended up being one of the best on campus non-conference games of the entire college basketball season. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Cause you watch them play and they really did look good. Um, but early season, you don't know, really didn't know how good Purdue was. Yeah. So even taking Purdue that close, didn't know how impressive it was. So it's interesting to have this many, you know, teams that, Purdue's already played. Um, obviously, Michigan State is there. Probably get Marquette in the second round if they can get past USC. Um, Duke, Duke is there. Duke for what? Sweet 16? Uh, Duke's got to get past Oral Roberts. They got to get past Oral Roberts. Uh, Tennessee, struggling. That's uh, it's an offensive – it's a team that cannot score the ball. But so, they're good defensively. They're good defensively. And, um, and as we've seen, if you can drag Purdue into the muck, you know, that's one way to do it. I mean, that's when Purdue has lost this year, it's because they've faced a solid defensive team that just gets physical and doesn't get the, and uh, things aren't called. But yeah, um, Tennessee doesn't have the biggest guards. I would, I would say that I believe they have like a five, nine point guard. So it it's, it's, I wouldn't say, I mean, Purdue's the one in, in theory, according to, you know, the rankings, they're the weakest one. And there's clearly, I, I feel like Memphis and Florida Atlantic both could be Elite Eight teams. Duke could be an Elite Eight team. Tennessee could be there. Kentucky, obviously. Um, Kansas State's been good in the Big 12. Michigan State, they've got three guards. Uh, you can't tell me that they couldn't catch a heater, even though, if they run into anyone with big men for real, that Michigan state roster is just depleted on the, on, on the B uh, on the uh, front court. But, and Marquette is offensively very strong and they kind of really stepped up their defense uh, in mm-hmm. their conference tournament. So it, it's a wide open bracket. It could also be an absolute chaos bracket. Like you said, Oral Roberts, uh, Louisiana will get picked quite a bit to beat Tennessee as well. Um, Obviously, a lot of teams are already, or a lot of people are already. Uh, I was listening to uh, round of sixty-eight, and they were already. Everyone was Memphis is going to beat Purdue. Uh, it, Purdue will probably be the most popular upset pick in the second round for one seeds. Mm-hmm. But this uh, past the Memphis game, Purdue's most likely steps to go through are teams they've already beat. So there's good and bad to that. I, I, Oral Roberts is one of those teams that they, they kind of scare me. Uh, they got a lot of pieces from two years ago when they made a sweet 16 run and they had almost made the elite eight with that team. They've got that guard, uh, Max Abmus that 
can just fill it up. And they've got a 7-5 center that can bang with Edie if need be. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't see them until the second week. And a 12 versus a 1, obviously, nothing's a guarantee. But they're a very, very unique 12 seed. And they play with a lot of confidence, too. Yeah, I mean, that's... That is the beauty of March Madness, but I don't think Purdue can be that upset with this bracket. Obviously, the number one seed. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, my guess right now is Memphis in the second round and then Duke in the third. Hmm. And if that happens, that's that's a lot of blue bloods to go through. And that's... It would be really interesting to see because that Duke team then and Purdue's team in Portland were uh, opposite trajectories at the moment. And it'll be interesting to see how they match up again and if Purdue comes in with a bunch of confidence. But that'll be a next weekend problem. (laughs) First, they got to get through Columbus. Yeah. And um, I I saw that... uh... I saw that uh, Florida Atlantic, uh, they've just been kind of in my head all year. And I think that they've got some serious North Texas or Little Rock potential, too. Uh, they got nothing to lose. They got the hot coaching candidate because let's, not, let's, let's give some uh, credit to Dusty May here winning 30 no. games. What? That's cool. That's fine. They have to beat Memphis first. Okay. I, I'm just I'm giving them all the credit, and uh, it'll it'll be an interesting matchup on Sunday. And I'm just going to go ahead and say interesting matchup on Sunday because, like we said earlier, any loss to Fairleigh Dickinson or Texas Southern would be among the worst in NCAA tournament history. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> all righty. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I'm excited to be in March Madness. We are here. We Taking are a long here. time. We are Madison Square Garden for the Sweet 16. I am the world's most overrated arena. Yes. We don't. (sighs) (laughs) You're a Cubs fan. Wrigley Field smells like piss. Yeah, but at least a championship team has played there. Oh, my God. You slept (laughs) through it. You don't get to brag about it. (laughs) I I will brag to my dying day on that one. It's going to be, it is going to be a neat occasion. Yes, it, it'll be fascinating. Uh, I admit I was a little disappointed they didn't end up in Louisville because that's really close by. But uh, part of our coverage plan for the week, uh, that actually opens the door for uh, while you would be in New York for. We, we should mention the women. They are yes. also in Columbus somehow, yes, some way for the women's yes. NCAA tournament. Yes, they will be playing over at the Schottenstein Value City Arena or whatever it's called right now. And uh, they have St. John's, I believe, at the play-in game. Yes, they get St. John's uh, play-in game. First time in six years that they've been in the tournament. So great to see Kerry Geralds make that step forward. And then this week we will also have some coverage of Jack Benter and Cannon Catchings as they are in the semi-state here. Uh, Jace is going to hopefully be able to go over to Newcastle to see uh, Catchings play for Brownsburg in the semi-state. I'm planning on heading down to Southport to see Benter in the semi-state. And uh, Flory Badunga, the target, if you will, is in the semi-state, also up at Michigan City for Kokomo. So we got a busy week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to have a lot of basketball this coming weekend. 
It's not madness because it's easy. Exactly. So uh, with that in mind, we thank you for listening. We will uh, have plenty for you to read and hear about this week. Uh, But for Casey, I am Travis Miller of Boiler Upload and Boiler Up. Boiler Up.